Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. I want to teach today out of uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Somebody just said, well, I'm glad he got off that. Maybe we'll get back on the Bible. But maybe I'll have a way of working that back in before we're done. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And then also Jude, a little small book of Jude. Hebrews 11 and the small book of Jude. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word today? I'm sorry to be having this cold today. I, we had this conference, an incredible conference, and um, it was uh, sold out back in September. Uh, we had an incredible time in Orlando. We had over 60 countries there, over 60 countries in the pandemic. And uh, over that many countries online at the same time, all focused on going to the finish line. And I just believe that God is raising up people today all over the world that want to believe that God, nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing. If God can save us, and he did, he can save the world. The hardest cases in the world world are in this room right here. We just forgot who we were before we met Jesus. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. The Bible says, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before him being taken up, he was pleasing to God, and without faith it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God, must believe that he is, and as a word of those who seek him. Now go with me to Jude, the little tiny book of Jude. I love the book of Jude. It's a little book, but it's a big book. Uh, over in verse number 14. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds which they have done ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for trusting us with a pandemic. Lord, help us not to mess it up. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to live in this time on the earth. Wow, we're so privileged, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you anoint me to speak, and everything I'm about to say will be ordered and directed by you. We sure love you, Lord. And Lord, we pray that you'd build our faith. Help us to live it out in this generation. I just pray, God, that you'll deposit godly wisdom in every one of our hearts. Help us to, to hear your voice today. And we'll be careful to give you praise for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated today. This morning, I want to I teach on faith for the end of an age. And um, I made a commitment to myself about, um, about three years ago that I wanted to basically write a chapter a week, about a chapter a week. And uh, because I just believe that the more you put in print, the more you can multiply. And, and so during the pandemic, it's been two years now, we're about, we're about, we're about to come to the realization as a planet that COVID's going to be part of life, and we're just going to have to move on. You understand it, right? We're just about there. 
Some are still out there, but they're going to get there. Uh, or they get left. So they're eventually going to get there. And, and so during the pandemic, I, I've written three books so far in the pandemic. So it keeps going on. I just keep adding it up. Uh, so last year, I did the book of Acts. And I finished up this book on the faith book, which I'm going to say something about. Then I did a book on Ephesians. And, and I'm praying about what I should write about next. But I'm going to teach on chapter 3 from uh, the faith book, The Master Key to a Grand Life of Faith. I'm going to teach on chapter 3. And, um, and following the altar response, the book is there on the table. I recommend it to you. You know, when you go out to the airport, there's this pre-check line, and then there's that long line. See, when you get the faith book, you get in the pre-check line for heaven. You understand, see? And there's going to be a really long line. And so if you don't get the faith book, you get in the long line. But you get the faith book, you get in the short line. I'm just giving you a heads up, okay? And so I want to recommend it to you. And, um, and I'm going to teach out of chapter 3. And all the proceeds from the books go to help make the net work. It's one for 20 or two for 35. Get one for yourself. Get one for somebody else. And sow into their life. And you'll be glad that you did. I want to teach today on faith for the end of an age. Faith is not positive thinking. I believe in positive thinking. I think small thinkers make big stinkers. I believe in positive thinking. I love spending time with positive people. You ever been around somebody and you felt worn out? Like, wow, man, I'm glad that's over. And when you saw him coming again, you started praying, Jesus, come, please come right now. I've seen, I've been around people like that. You ever been around somebody thinking, man, when's this ever going to end? Ooh, I've been around that. But faith is not positive thinking. Faith is not hope. Hope is not faith. You may have some faith in hope and some hope in faith, but it's still not the same. Faith is not just positive expression. I believe we ought to have positive expression. I think we ought to have positive confession. I, I really do. Why would you spend your whole life speaking negative into your world? Why would you do that? But is that faith? Some people say, well, all you got to do is hear the word of God and you have faith. Well, I understand what Romans chapter 15 verse 8 says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I understand that. But I know a lot of people who have heard a lot of God's word and have very little faith. So what is faith? I mean, it's, it's, and when I talk about faith, I'm not talking about it as a noun. I'm talking about it as a verb. What is it? How do you, how do you get your mind around it? Faith is not incidental. Faith is fundamental. Faith is like spiritual steel to a house, to a spiritual house. Faith is the master key that unlocks all kingdom doors. Every once in a while, a pastor will say, James, here's the master key. And this key opens up every door in the church. No matter where you go, it opens every door. Faith is the master key that opens all 
kingdom doors. It takes faith to please God. Now think about that for a second. A lot of people think they work harder, they please him. No. People think, well, I'll just give more, then I'll please him. No. No, no. It takes faith to please God. It is that important. And if it is, then you would think we would want to be able to walk it out every day in our life. Now, I don't claim to have figured it all out. I'll tell you that right up front. But I want you to also tell you this. Before I wrote this book, I spent 20 years thinking about it. And so I believe that God wants his people to walk by faith in this generation. We, we need faith for the closing of an age. Enoch lived in an unparalleled time on the earth. And Enoch walked with God. And the Bible says that his faith pleased God. And so with that in mind, I want to talk about faith, the kind of faith we need for the closing of an age. Ladies and gentlemen, some people still have this idea that we're going back to pre-pandemic times. Listen to me. Come up close and listen. That world doesn't exist anymore. That world is gone. Some people say, well, you know, I just want to get back to normal. Well, that, that, past tense is not normal for you. We're not going to live in the was. We're going to live in the is. Christ is not pushing us forward. He's pulling us from the front to live where he is. This is not a negative. This is a positive. We need to walk it out day by day. And I hope what God's been putting in my heart, he'll put in every one of our hearts, whether it will be online or on ground here today. First of all, our faith prepares us for surrounding gloom, for surrounding gloom. You say, well, I thought this was going to be a positive message. Well, it's going to turn out all right. It's going to turn out all right. You know, I said to a pilot one time, we're flying along. He was standing up in the front. I was having a conversation. On these long flights, I don't just stay seated the whole time. It's not healthy on the long flights. Get up. It's good for your circulation. And so I was up there talking to the pilot. I said, you know, I'm not a pilot, but it seems like to me flying is simple mathematics. He said, why do you say that? I said, we just want the same number of takeoff and landings, don't we? And he said, that's right. I said, okay. As long as those numbers match, everything turned out okay. It's like playing golf. They don't, they don't make you write down the club you played. So don't be intimidated if all you can hit is a three iron. Just put down the, the number. You don't have to put down the club. So we need faith because of surrounding gloom. Doesn't take a very bright person to understand that this world is a crazy place to live because it is led by crazy people. That's right. You say, well, it makes no sense. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. The way we manage this world and the way we are mismanaging this world. You sow and you reap. And this world is off course. And it's headed for a collision with God Almighty.
Let me tell you how many times the Lord loses the battle. You ready? Okay, I've told you. He never loses the battle. Never loses the battle. See, you're either in step with God in this universe or you're out of step with God in this universe. And I'm here to tell you, the people or the nations that are out of step with God in this universe are headed for a cataclysmic failure. That's where it's headed. And so we look around and we see surrounding gloom. Enoch lived in a time of surrounding gloom. He lived in an age of permissiveness. He lived in an age of wickedness, crime, adultery, immorality. It was so wicked, God said, I wish I hadn't created mankind in the first place. That's how bad it was. God said, oh, my goodness. He said, this world is out of control. It started with Adam and Eve. Then think about it. Didn't take long before Cain committed the first murder. Didn't take long, did it? People started taking matters in their own hands, and if they didn't like it, they just kill somebody and get them out of the way. We live in an age of permissiveness. Our culture, we have forgotten how to blush. We don't blush, we strut. We don't apologize, we just get worse. The sins that used to slink down back alleys now parade themselves down Main Street, USA. The truth that was neglected in one generation has become the heresy in this generation. It's true. We have thrown God out of the marketplace. We've kicked Christ out of the public square. We're not interested in the Ten Commandments. We turn them in to the ten suggestions. And we wonder why our culture is out of control. We, we have lost our way. We live in an age of permissiveness. The things that used to embarrass us now entertain us. The things that used to amaze us now amuse us. The things that used to make us weep now make us laugh. And we strut in it. We'll just have a month of national pride. And we will pervert the rainbow. And we have no apology to offer. You say, well, James, you ought to be more tolerant. Did you know tolerance is not an absolute truth? You know how I know it? Because those who antivocate it don't practice it. You say, what do you mean they don't practice it? They're not tolerant of those who believe there's only one way to the Father. So tolerance is not an absolute truth. Do you know what the problem was in the first century church? Emperor said, tolerance. Bring your gods and fashion in the pantheon of gods. Christians said, sorry, we can't do that. So what did the people say? Kill the Christians. Get rid of the Christians Put it down big, plain, and straight. The day is coming that Christianity is going to be labeled as hate speech. Then what are you going to do? We're living in an age of permissiveness. We're living in an age of presumptuousness. Enoch lived in a time of Babel. What was the philosophy of Babel? 
we can build our tower to God. We don't need him to help us build our lives. We can do it by ourselves. And you know what? That's the philosophy today. Politicians will stand on a stage and they'll say whatever bakes their bread. And at the end of it, they'll say, and God bless America. They don't mean it. It's just a byword. They just tip their hat. They don't bow their knee. They're just interested in trying to get somebody else's vote. That's the, that's the age in which we live. We live in an age of presumptuousness. We live in an age of progressiveness. Think about the progress of Enoch's world. Expansion, exploration, people, population growing. Think about the world in which we live. You know, 20 years ago, um, less than 300 million people had a cell phone. Notice I didn't say a smartphone. I said a cell phone. Because they didn't become smart until the Palm Pilot. Now, when I said the Palm Pilot, some of you just had no idea what I just said. When the Palm Pilot merged with the cell phone, it became smart. That's when it became smart. But 20 years ago, less than 300 million people had one of these. Today, over 5 billion have one of these. And, and you know what? They may not have running water, but they have one of those. I've been to places where they have absolutely no running water at all, but they have a smartphone with 4G or 5G. Do you remember the lightning fast dial-up days? 56K was amazing, wasn't it? When we finished the Synergize Conference, a photographer sent me four gigabytes of photos from the conference. Four gigabytes, four billion bytes. Could you imagine moving just four gigabytes at lightning speed of 56K, the dial-up? You could go take a vacation, come back, and still be on the project. Today, in a matter of moments, you can download a two-hour film, and it's just getting faster. The pandemic didn't slow things down. It sped things up. We're at 2030, 2035 technologically today because of the pandemic. It didn't slow us down. It sped it up. People got wealthy in the pandemic. A lot of people made a lot of money in the pandemic. Ask Amazon if they didn't do well in the pandemic. Ask the other technology companies if they didn't do good in the pandemic. They're praying the pandemic never ends. It has moved things further and faster down the road. We are living in an age of progressiveness. Things are going faster than they've ever gone before. Our faith prepares us for surrounding groups. Secondly, our faith provides saving grace. Aren't you glad you're saved today? Aren't you glad you know Christ as your Savior? If you don't, you should, you need to. Don't feel sorry for me. I haven't missed out on anything. I gained everything. I came to know Jesus Christ July 15th, 1973 B.C. I've told you before, B.C. stands for before computer and before cell phone. I came to know Christ as my Savior. I'm so glad I did. 
I'm so glad I came to know Christ when I was 12 years old. I can't imagine where I'd be without the Lord today. Faith provides saving grace. When Methuselah was born, Enoch's son, first son, the Bible says in the book of Genesis that Enoch walked with God. It doesn't say that he walked with God before Methuselah was born, but after Methuselah was born, Enoch walked with God. Something happened to Enoch when his son was born. Methuselah lived 969 years. Can you imagine that? Almost 1,000 years. When you were 600 years old, you were in the prime of life. You are just middle age at 600. Can you imagine? When Methuselah was born, Enoch said, my family's going to walk with God. And he started walking with God in a generation that had chosen not to walk with God. Something was, something changed in Enoch's life. You know, when you study the book of, uh, uh, rather, chapter 11 of Hebrews, all the characters, um, you'll find that Adam's not mentioned there. That's always been interesting to me. You know, Adam, I believe Adam and Eve are both in heaven. I do. I believe when the Lord slain the first animal in the Garden of Eden, he redeemed them to take care of them. I believe that. But Adam's not in the Hall of Fame of Faith. It's interesting to me. I, about a year ago, there was a lady that was, uh, called me up about a podcast, and a nice, incredible woman. And she said, would you, would you mind if we do an interview? And I said, that'd be great. So toward the interview, she said, um, uh, after you meet Jesus personally, what would be the next biblical character that you would like to meet? I said, oh, I know that. She said, who? I said, I want to meet Adam. She said, you want to meet Adam? And before all of the other biblical characters? I said, yes. She said, why do you want to meet Adam? I said, I just have one question to ask, Adam. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it the same way? Because Adam used to walk with God. He walked with God in the cool of the day. I have a practice at home. My family knows this about me. When it gets late in the afternoon and the sun is not quite down yet, I say to my wife and my daughters, I'm going for a walk. And I usually walk for quite a while while the sun is going down. I like walking by some beautiful shrubbery and plants and then by some water while the sun is going down. While nature is about to go to sleep, I like walking and just talking with the Lord. I've done it for a long time. There was a time that Adam would walk with God. I mean, think about it. Adam named all the animals. How do you think he did that? He didn't have Wikipedia. How did he do it? God taught him. Can you imagine the kind of conversations that God and Adam had? Think about it with me now. If you're going to learn something new, you better spend some time with somebody who knows more than you. 
If you don't spend time with somebody who knows more than you, you're not going to learn anything new. If you find yourself being the smartest person in the room, you are in the wrong room. Can you imagine Adam spending time? We don't know how many days Adam and God walked. Wow, can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversations about the universe, about creation, about all? Adam was one bright guy. But Adam, as you know, didn't take care of some matters. And he fell in the garden with Eve. And God threw him out. Even on the day when Adam didn't show up for his walk, who showed up for his walk? God did. Even on the day when Adam didn't show up, God showed up. Can I tell you, God never stops showing up. If you're not walking with God, it's not because of him. It's because of you. And you know, a lot of people like to make the choice. They just don't like the consequence. When you pick up one end of the stick of choice, you pick up the other end of the stick called consequence. You may not like it, but it has two sides. And so God came looking for Adam and Eve. And as you know, Adam blamed it on Eve. Shouldn't have done it. And then he turned around and really blamed it on God. He said, the woman that you, you, you gave me. The woman that you got, got you, you, you gave her to me. I'm going to just say you right now, that is not the way to talk to the king of the universe. <laughs> and so God threw him out. You know, the Bible says that when Enoch was born, he was the seventh generation from Adam. When Enoch was born, Adam was still alive. When Enoch was born, everybody on the earth either knew Adam or knew someone who knew Adam. Everybody. Everybody knew the Garden of Eden story. Everybody knew about Adam and Eve. When Enoch was born, Adam was just over 600 years old. Can you imagine it? One day Enoch says, you know what? I want to walk with God. I see him as he goes over to Adam's house, knocks on his house. Adam welcomes him in, says, Enoch, why'd you come? I've come because something happened in my life, Adam. My son Methuselah was born, and I want to walk with God. And I know that you used to walk with God. He said, oh, I sure did. He said, I, I, I want you to coach me, to tell me how I can really walk with God all the days of my life. And Adam says, I can tell you the best thing that you need to do. Don't ever stop showing up. Don't let anyone or anything rob you of your relationship with God. Show up every day and walk with God. And I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we need to learn to walk with God in this pandemic like never before. We need to walk with God. We need to walk with God. That needs to be our testimony. That man, that woman, that family walks with God. When they drive by our house, they ought to say, wow, that family walks with God. Last October, I was outside getting ready to go for a walk. The sun was going down. 
my neighbor, Randall. He says, James, you got a minute? I said, yes. He said, I want you to know, a few weeks ago, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Now, how do you think he would know that was important to me? Did I keep my relationship with Jesus quiet? No. He said, you know, when you moved in, we thought you guys were a little squirrely. <laughs> really? I, he said, yeah, when you said that you homeschooled your children, we thought, man, something wrong with the Davis family, homeschooling their children instead of letting their children go to school. And he said, you know what? We had it all wrong, and you had it all right. And we, my wife and I got baptized in water, he said, last week. And we're walking with God. And his wife and daughter, Pastor Darrell, came to the Synergize Conference. He couldn't come. He works for the CIA. He's got a lot of secrets. And, and I've enjoyed my conversation with him. But I just happened to believe that part of what stirred him up was how his neighbors walked with God. We need to have that testimony that we walk with God. Our faith provides saving grace. It prepares us for surrounding gloom, but it helps us to preach a simple gospel. This world is not looking for complicated things. They already have complicated things. But they need the simplicity of the gospel. Our faith is fundamental. It's impossible to please God without faith. Impossible. It is fundamental. But it's also not only a fundamental, but there's a force to our faith. People need to sense the divine touch of God upon our life. Enoch had it. He had this divine touch upon his life. And people everywhere today, more than ever, are looking for something that they cannot find. And you and I have the greatest answer and the only answer to the vacuum in every person's heart. And I'm here to tell you that in this time of uneasiness across the world, this world is looking for somebody who knows how to walk through this pandemic. And it's a wonderful opportunity to walk it out day by day. Fourth and last, our faith gets us ready for sudden glory. For sudden glory. You know, the, the Bible says they came looking for him. And they could not find him. You know what's interesting about over in the book of Genesis when you read about these early biblical characters? You'll find that out of Cain came the Canaanites. Out of Seth came the Sethites. You will find that, that with Cain and his descendants, it repeatedly says... And he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. But those who had faith, the Sethites and all their generation, it says, and he lived, and he died, and he lived, and he died, and he lived, and he died. Those who didn't have it, they died, died, died. 
But those who possess this faith, they lived and they died. I'm here to tell you, my friend, the kind of faith I'm talking about helps you to live. The just shall live by faith. Not by hope, not by a wish, but by faith in God. And our faith gets us ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. Did you know it was Enoch who first prophesied that the Lord had come? Notice I didn't say that the Lord will come, but the Lord had come. In the book of Jude, it says that Enoch prophesied that the Lord had come what thousands of his holy ones. He picked up the telescope of time. He looked out in 6,000 years into the future. He said, wow, the Lord had come. He said, I better walk with God. Instead of taking the short look, we need to take the long look. We need to realize that Christ is coming again. And we need to start living like he's about to come. It's one thing for us to say, well, we think he's going to come. But those who look for his coming, First Peter says, purify their hearts. I don't know how you begin your day. I left early this morning to drive up from where I live. And uh, the sun was coming up. I got excited. I thought, wow, this could be the day. This could be the day that Christ comes to take me away. I could be driving to Oxford and not quite make it because the Lord could come. How do you begin your day? Do you begin this, your day as this could be the day that Christ returns? You know, Enoch walked with God and God walked with Enoch. One day God said, you know, we've walked further than we've ever walked before. In fact, we're closer to my house and your house. Why don't you just come on home with me? He was gone. Can you imagine Enoch's wife preparing the meal? Hubby doesn't show up. The children around the table, we don't know how many children there were, but there were other brothers and sisters. Dad doesn't come. The next day, desperation sets in, but he's not coming back. They noise it abroad. Anybody seen Enoch? No. Week, two, three, four weeks go by. Finally, they realize Enoch is never coming back. Can you imagine the day when the Lord comes back? There's two billion Christians on this planet today. Can you imagine the moment when Christ returns and two billion Christians leave this world? Can you, can you even remotely imagine it? Two pilots on a flight deck, one taken, one left. Eight flight attendants in the aisles of the big plane, four taken, four left. Guys driving big semi-trucks down the highway, half of them are taken, half of them left. Can you imagine the military, wherever they may be, 
around the world, half taken, half left. Can you imagine what will happen when Jesus Christ takes the church out of this world? You think this world's crazy now? When the glue is taken out, you don't like this stuff right now? This world is going to be terrible when the church is taken out. But what about those who have died in the faith? In the Old Testament and New Testament. The, the sea is going to give up the dead. The graveyards will open up the dead. And in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, we're going to leave this wicked world to be forever in the presence of the Lord. Jesus is coming again. And until he comes, we must walk with God. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm only 61 years young, but I've lived long enough now to know that whatever I'm going to do, I need to get it done. Whatever am I going to be, I need to become. And ladies and gentlemen, whatever we're going to do, we need to get started. Whatever we're going to be, we need to get with it. Whatever Oxford Assembly of God can become, we need to get started today. For this is the only day that we have. You say, no, we'll have tomorrow. No, you won't. When tomorrow gets here, it'll be today. All we have is this moment in time, and it's passing so fast. Whatever we're going to be, whatever we're going to do, we need to get with it now. This is our greatest moment. You know, you and I are the summary of everything we have learned and everything we have experienced. Everything we've learned, everything we've experienced. Tonight, I want to teach on the 2022 pathway to personal power with God. If there's a way that somebody can teach me how to walk closer to the Lord and to have the Holy Spirit empower my life, sign me up. I want to be the first one on the list. I don't care if it's 11 o'clock at night. Sign me up. I want to encourage you to be here tonight. We start at 6 o'clock Eastern time. The same car that brought you here today is just begging for you to try it out tonight. And it will make it through the chilly weather. You watch it and see. Because we don't need less of the assembly. We need more. I hear the debate and the conversation. I didn't mention this in the early bird service. I, I hear the debate and the conversation about whether you should be online or on ground. Well, let me tell you something. If I have the option, I'm going to be inside the building, not outside the building. You say, why? Because we all need three homes. You say, James, I'm just trying to pay off one. No, we need a home where we lay our head. We need a home where we lift our hands and worship. And we need an eternal home where we'll live forever. And ladies and gentlemen, this home right here gets us ready for the next one.
He says, forsake not the assembling of selves together as the manner of such is, especially in the light of the coming of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't need less of the assembling. We need more of the assembling. If you don't have time to get ready for this one, how are you going to be ready for the next one? How are you going to be ready for the next one if you neglect this one? You know, he says, how shall we escape if we neglect? Not shall how we shall we escape if we reject. The world rejects, the church neglects, and neglecting is worse than rejecting because we know better. When I was seven years old, I have a, an identical twin brother. Many of you know that, and I'm the oldest. I was born at 1029. He was born at 1045 in Brooklyn, New York. Somebody said, I was wondering where. Brooklyn, New York. We were in a Jewish hospital. We were the only Gentile boys born in that hospital that week. And so my brother lives in Palm Beach. And so um, we, my dad and I and my brother, we were riding in a car together in Louisiana on a two-way road. We were way out in the woods. We were so far in the woods on this two-way road that you had to pump sunshine into the woods. That's how far it was. And, and our mother was driving in her car about two or three miles behind us. And so my dad finally turns to his sons and he says, anybody like to ride with mom? She's been by herself. And I said, dad, that'd be great. I'd like to ride with mom. He says, okay. So he pulls the car off to the side of the road. He says, now, Jimmy, I want you to get out of the car. Stand right here. You'll see mom come. I know it's funny. I know. You're already laughing. I know. He says, Jimmy, you stand right here. You'll see mom coming. And you just wave your arms. Mom will stop, pick you up. I said, okay. So I watched my dad and my brother in that yellow and white little car drive off. And I thought to myself, looking around, I don't know, I don't know this is a good plan. I mean, I'm just seven. And, and so I start looking for mom. And so I, I'm standing there on the street, two-way road. Finally, I see this blue Oldsmobile coming. I said, Hope, wow. Hope comes in a blue Oldsmobile. And as it gets a little closer, I start waving my arms. As she gets closer, I start jumping up and down and waving my arms. As she gets closer, I am now screaming to the top of my lungs. I am waving my arms back and forth. I am jumping up and down. I am so close to the road. If I put out my hand, she'll hit it. And I'm doing everything I can. My amazing mother has both of her hands on that steering wheel. She does not even turn she does not even notice her eldest son, and she rides right by. I start running. I am terrified. I, I see the blue car just go away. And I'm thinking, this is terrible. I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm just seven, and I'm thinking, this is it. 
life is over for me. And finally, I see this yellow and white car coming back with my dad and brother in it. My dad pulls around, lets the window down. He said, I had a feeling mom may not stop. And he said, Jimmy, are you okay? I, I, I can't speak. I'm terrified. I, I, I'm just, I'm like this. And I get in the car. And I knew what it was like to be left behind. And ladies and gentlemen, soon and very soon, left behind will mean something. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in an unparalleled time on this earth. This is not a time for business as usual. It's a time to walk with God, to walk with him as close as we possibly can. Would you please stand with me in this sacred gathering as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed in this service today? So heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I apologize for my raspy voice today. I don't know how much time we have until Jesus comes. I just know that all the signs of the times continue to point. Get ready. Get ready. I want my wife and my daughters, Olivia and Priscilla, to be able to say if the Lord tarries, our dad did a lot of things, but the most important thing that he did was he walked with God. And the Lord desires for every one of us to walk with him closer than we ever have. If I was to ask how many of us could walk a little closer, we all say, yeah, we sure could. This is the season to walk with God. May our testimony be like Enoch's. We walk with God. In a moment, I'm going to count the three. And if you can say with integrity and with intensity, Lord, I want to walk as close as I can to you and with you, not ahead of you, not behind you, but with you in the days to come. If you can say with integrity and with intensity that you really want to walk as close as possible to the Lord in this season. When I count the three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And my hand will be the first one that will go up today. One two, three. If that's you, just lift your hand. Just keep it up. Dear Heavenly Father, you see the hands are lifted here today. We want to walk with you. We want to we want to know your voice. We want to walk so close that we feel your breath. Lord, we want to walk with you. May that be our testimony that we walk with you. May people know that we walk 
with you. Oh God, let it be so. We really need your help. We can't do it by ourselves. And Lord, let our faith please you. Because Lord, we really want to please you more than anybody else in this world. Lord, help that to be our greatest privilege and priority. Thank you, Lord, for this. We ask in the wonderful name of Jesus. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.